thank you. A surprise, Gascoigne said, raising his voice still further, that I organized for you for reasons of the purest charity and goodwill. Mr. Gascoigne, for I felt that it might do you good to get out and enjoy yourself a little, Gascoigne concluded. His face was very white. I will inform my lady that your spirits are low and that you won't be seen. My spirits aren't low, Anna said. I think that they are, said Gascoigne. He drained his glass and then set it on the nightstand next to Anna's pillow, the centre of which was still pierced by a single blackened hole. I will leave you now. I am sorry that your gun did not fire in the way that you intended, and I am sorry that your lifestyle exceeds your means to pay for it. Thank you for the brandy. Medium Celli, Imum Celli in which Gascoigne raises the issue of Anna's debt, and Edgar Clinch does not confide in him. As Gascoigne was crossing the foyer of the Gridiron Hotel, the door was wrenched open, and the hotelier, Mr. Edgar Clinch, entered at a pace. Gascoigne slowed in his step so that the two men would not have to pass too close to one another, an action that Clinch mistook for a different kind of hesitation. He stopped abruptly in the middle of the doorway, blocking Gascoigne's exit. Behind him, the door thudded shut. Can I help you? he said. Thank you, no, Gascoigne said politely, and hovered a moment, waiting for Clinch to move from the doorway so that he might leave without having to brush shoulders with the other man. But the valet had been alerted by the slam of the door. Oi! You! he called out to Gascoigne, coming forward from his cubicle beneath the stairs. What was the story behind those pistol shots? Joe Pritchard came downstairs like death incarnate, like he'd seen a ghost. It was a mistake, said Gascoigne curtly, just a mistake. Pistol shots, said Edgar Clinch, who had not moved from the doorway. Clinch was a tall man, forty-three years of age, with sandy-coloured hair and a harmless, pleasant look. He wore an imperial moustache, greased at the tips, a handsome accessory that had not silvered at the same rate as his hair, which was likewise greased, parted in the middle, and cut to the level of his earlobes. He had apple-shaped cheeks, a reddish nose, and a blunted profile. His eyes were set so deep in his face that they seemed to shut altogether when he smiled, which he did often, as the crowfoot lines around his eyes could testify. At present, however, he was frowning. I was down here at the desk, said the valet. This man, he was there, he saw it. He'd run up on account of the shouting. The gun went off just after he walked in. After that, there was another shot, a second. I'm about to go up to investigate, but then Joe Pritchard comes down and tells me not to worry. Tells me the oil was cleaning the piece and it went off by accident. But that explanation only accounts for the first. Edgar Clinch slid his gaze back to Gascoigne. The second shot was mine. Gascoigne said, speaking with ill-concealed annoyance. He did not like to be detained against his will. I fired the piece experimentally. Once I could see that the first shot had fouled. What was the shouting on account of? asked the hotelier. That situation is now resolved. Joe Pritchard, laying into her. Sounded like that from here, said the valet. Gascoigne shot the valet a poisonous look, and then turned back to Clinch. There was no violence done to the whore, he said. She is perfectly sound, and the situation is now resolved, as I have already told you. Clinch narrowed his eyes. 
"'Strange how many guns go off while being cleaned,' he said. "'Strange how many oars get it into their heads to clean their guns when there's gentlemen about. "'Strange how many times that's happened in my hotel.' "'I'm afraid I can't offer an opinion on that subject,' Gasquan said. "'I think you can,' said Edgar Clinch. "'He planted his feet a little wider apart and folded his arms across his chest. "'Gasquan sighed.' He was in no mood for bullish displays of proprietorship. What happened? Clinch said. Did something happen to Anna? I suggest you ask her yourself, Gasquan said, and save us both some time. You can do that very easily, you know. She's right upstairs. I don't appreciate being made a fool in my own hotel. I wasn't aware that I was making you a fool. Clinch's moustache twitched dangerously. What's your quarrel? I'm not sure that I have one, said Gasquan. What's yours? Pritchard! He spat out the name. You needn't bring that to me, Gasquan said. Pritchard's not my man. He felt trapped. It was useless pretending to reason with a man whose mind was already fixed, and Edgar Clinch, by the looks of things, was spoiling for a fight. That's a true fact, put in the valet, coming to Gasquan's rescue. He had also observed that his employer was out of sorts. The hotelier's face was very red, and his trouser leg was twitching, as though he were bouncing his weight up and down upon his heel, a sure sign that he was angry. The valet explained in soothing tones that Gasquan had only interrupted the argument between Pritchard and Anna. He had not been present for its origin. Clinch did not cut a terribly intimidating figure, even when poised in fighting stance as he currently was, he seemed fretful rather than fearsome. His anger, though palpable, seemed to render him somehow powerless. He was occupied by his emotion. He was its servant, not its liege. Watching him, Gasquan was put more in mind of a child preparing for a tantrum than a fighter preparing for a brawl, though, of course, the former was no less dangerous when the provocation was the same. Clinch was still blocking the door. It was clear that he would not be rational but perhaps, Gasquan thought, he could be calmed. "'What has Pritchard done to you, Mr. Clinch?' he said, thinking that if he gave the man a chance to speak, his anger might run its course and he might calm himself that way. Clinch's reply was strangled and inarticulate. "'To Anna!' he cried. "'Feeds her the very drug that's killing her! Sells it!' This was hardly explanation enough, there must be more. To coax him, Gasquan said lightly, Yes, but when a man's a drunk, do you blame the publican? Clinch ignored this piece of rhetoric. Joseph Pritchard, he said. He'd feed it to her if he could, like a babe at suck. He'd do that. You agree with me, Mr. Gasquan. Ah, you know me, said Gasquan, in a tone of relief, and then, I do? Your sermon in yesterday's times. A damn fine sentiment, by the boy. A damn fine piece, said Clinch. Paying a compliment appeared to soothe him, but then his features darkened again. He might have done well to read it. Do you know where he gets it from? That filthy muck. The resin. Do you know? Francis Carver, that's who. Gasquin shrugged. The name meant nothing to him. Francis Bloody Carver, who kicked her, kicked her, beat her, and it was his baby, his baby in her belly, 
killed his own spawn. 